What is up? I'm Miguel Antonio, and you are listening to the Live and Create podcast. It's where I interview artists and entrepreneurs about what it means to live a great life and create great things. And before we get into today's episode, just want to remind you to check out my band that just came back online again. It's called Run With It. You can find us at Run With It Band, at Run With It Band, TikTok, Snapchat, <laughs> Instagram, all the places you follow people out. You can also check out anything we're up to at runwithitband.net. That is runwithitband.net. And on today's episode of Live and Create, we have Nigel Woodbury. Nigel is a former reporter, DJ, and sports anchor. He spent 16 years in, t- in TV video production, and now he's a beer nerd with a podcast about, well, you guessed it, beer. <laughs> Make sure you check out his podcast, Beers with Nigel. In this episode, we talk about changing the world through beer karma, and Nigel wants you to know that's an actual real thing. He shares a story of becoming immersed in the craft beer world and his passion for bringing diversity to this world that he loves. We also talk about the power of community and what it's like to develop the skill of allowing others to simply be themselves. It's a great episode. Enjoy. The Live and Create Podcast. I'm excited uh, to dive in. There's you got a lot of a lot of things that that you have in your history, and then what you're working yeah. on and building, yeah. uh, which is really cool. But I wanted to start uh, with a question. It seems like you you ask other folks. I just want to start. Where did you fall in love with the craft beer and the beer uh, world and community? You know, I've kind of always been a beer drinker, um, as long as I can remember. Uh, it's one of those things that I was always looking for something that was different, you know, and in the last, you know, in the last six or seven years here in Kansas city, you know, it's, uh, it's really exploded. And I have a lot of friends. I've been in a homebrew group called ZC hops for a bunch of years. And a lot of those guys, homebrewers, I've never actually, I wasn't passionate about brewing. I was passionate about hanging out with the people. <laughs> watching the process that's how i always beer. tell people i want to have people i want to have friends who brew beer but i've never wanted to do it i want to help them yeah. in their exactly. passion <laughs> exactly so you know as it's evolved i've had out of that group i probably have five or six guys who have quote unquote gone pro and open breweries around kansas city wow and so i was kind of already in it and had a passion for it and you know one of my things is trying to make tap rooms and beer uh more diverse mm-hmm. so it's kind of twofold to me yeah i like the beer but i think you know my friends who own breweries i'm like you know you're missing missing portions of the, of the population that don't know this product product is around them so so one of my goals is to introduce other people of color you know or whatever into craft beer that's awesome man that's very cool. Like, uh, there's a podcast that I love listening to. It's called Market Watch. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. I'm, I'm yeah. kind of a nerd and love following some of that stuff. And uh, they were they did a special report on uh, African Americans in the brewery brewing world, and they followed a brewery that had launched um, owned by uh, black. Uh, male and female together they weren't together together they're like business partners <laughs> and uh, but they were it was a powerful story of just hearing them trying to bring diversity into that world as well right. and then I believe they were in Minneapolis uh, in kind of opening up even during the BLM uh, protests and they were just talking right. about the the connection of 
of their their connection to the community and the pain that they were feeling while at the same time trying to build this business in a city that was getting torn apart. It, it was a yeah, powerful, yeah. Um, I need to go back and find that, maybe send it your way. I think you'd love it. Uh, yeah. That, and it's true. It, it seems like when I play a lot of breweries myself and it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of diversity going on. But is, it, is there a different, not at all. Okay. I was wondering if you, you've experienced something different. Are there certain places that have a different culture? Well, uh, Dallas, Texas, for some reason has every place, every brewery I've been to there, I've seen people of color. Um, what other cities? Kansas City is well represented by women. There's a lot of women beer drinkers here, which is cool. Which, uh, even just talking to other uh, people around different, different states and different cities, they have a, a problem where there's not women either. Hmm. So uh, really, if you go to the South, like you go to Atlanta, there's a bunch of Black-owned breweries there. Um, obviously, if you go to New York, it's a much more multicultural you know, right. situation. So you're going to see some people of color. Um, weirdly, Oklahoma City, which is not known for its beer culture, which is really growing right now, the places I go to, I see people of color. Just not here, though. That's interesting. <laughs> so not known for its beer culture or diversity. Uh, when I think of Oklahoma right. City, I really don't think right. about diversity either. Um, that's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. So, you know, it, there's there's some work to do uh, because, you know, what, 9,000 breweries in the country and less than 1% are black or female or LBGTQ owned. So, right. yeah, <laughs> so there's, there's, some, there's some work to be done. And I, I have a friend who works kind of the back end of – uh, the cannabis industry, uh, helping people get, you know, navigate the red tape of all the legalities they got to jump through and building investors. And that's one thing that, that he's had an eye on as well, because the cannabis industry um, is not very diverse as right. well. And so he's, right. he's been trying to open up his eyes to see, like, how do you bring folks in? But I'm, I'm curious, like, from your own experience, from your perspective, where, what do you think has caused that? Where does it come from? Uh, I think it's just, Historically, it's been male-dominated, uh, even though if you go back to the annals of uh, when beer, you know, every culture has fermented a beverage, right? <laughs> and it was one of those things, uh, if you go back to the South, I've, uh, I've got a friend of mine, she's doing a documentary about, it's called This Belongs to Us, and it's about hmm. the women who brewed beer in the South. Because, you, know, you know, back in the day, when the presidents and people were drinking beer, they weren't brewing the beer. The slaves were brewing the beer. I got you. You know, so it, it's one of those things that over the years just um, has been white male dominated and it hasn't, it hasn't, uh, you know, the, the credit hasn't been given, you, right. you know. Uh, but now in the South, it's, it's, it's starting to change. And it's not that the brew community doesn't want diversity. I think a lot of times they don't know how to pull it off or don't know how to do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, you know, case in point, my friends who own breweries, I would never do it. It's, I mean, it's an all consuming thing and to have to try and figure out, okay, how do I get, you know, more diversity in here? That's, right. that's a whole nother, a whole nother thing. So On you know, I think all the other details you're navigating yeah, yeah, and, brewing yeah, yeah. and entrepreneurship. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I think, Again, everybody wants it, but I'm not sure they know how to go about it. So, you know, that's why it's it takes kind of a, uh, a tribal approach where everybody is trying to do the same thing. Right. And I think that's that's what's going to happen here in Kansas City, because, you know, my friends are always, 
you know, asking, what can we do? What can we do? What can we do? You know? So I, I don't cool. know if you've heard, if you've heard um, Vine Street Brewing is opening in 2022 at 20th no. Vine. First, first black owned brewery in Missouri, uh, black owned Missouri, black owned brewery in Missouri ever. That's amazing. That's yeah. awesome. I'll have to, so, um, I'll have to connect you with a buddy of mine. Maybe you know him. Uh, his name's TJ Roberts. Uh, he just opened up uh, a, it's a black owned coffee shop and he's working with a local roaster and coffee, uh, black owned coffee. And so I just wonder if they're all kind of running the same circles as well as they build up uh, their businesses and communities. Yeah. So that, it'd well, be cool. Maybe definitely... they can put together a nice like coffee ale down the road. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, I mean, it's all about, you know, collabs and things like that. So, you know, again, it's one of those things, you know, you expose, you know, the issue in craft beer is, is, is exposure. If you don't know about it, you don't know about it. Right. Until, until I tell you about it. And I think that's what happens in, in places like, you know, where Boulevard is located. That's a mostly Latino neighborhood. Mm-hmm. But you don't see Latinos in there, right? Yeah, not at all. I played there before. And yeah, I, I was probably the only Latino there. <laughs> uh, exactly. In, in that evening. <laughs> So, you know, it's to me, it's a matter of, you know, who on the inside is saying, OK, we should be reaching out to our local community right here in our neighborhood and, and doing some things. You know, they're the big dog on the block. They have the money. Mm-hmm. They should be they should be doing it. You yeah. know, they should be for my money. They should be spearheading it. You know, they talk about this, that and the other and the other. You know, they've had their issues. But I'm like, come on, you should at least have some representation in your neighborhood, if not drinking there, working there. And they have zero. Ridiculous. Well, when I think about move, <laughs> when you think about movements, though, and and how they grow, it does. It seems like those who are are larger or have more power, they don't tend to want to rock the boat in, in that regard. And I'm I'm not speaking specifically of Boulevard because I don't know right. their strategies. <laughs> if anyone's listening, they're like, "What the fuck, man?" <laughs> I love Boulevard, whatever. <laughs> uh, but like in general, the movements do seem to come from these smaller. Uh, entities that then partner up together. Right. And I wonder right. uh, the work you're doing with, with some of these smaller microbreweries, craft breweries, uh, even home brewers, if, if that's where that, that will grow out of, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to take some effort and, and some, you know, intentionality, if you will, to, to go onto spaces that are Latino, black, LBGTQ, whatever, and saying, Hey, this is what's around you. You didn't know it. You might like it. Try it. That's why I'm excited about um, Vine Street Brewing because it's you know, you know, 18th and Vine. Yeah. It, you know, it's it's not it's not that far from the crossroads where all the breweries are, right? <laughs> so I'm I'm hoping it's going to maybe bridge the gap. You know, it's definitely going to bring a black on breweries. Definitely going to bring some black people in there. Mm-hmm. It's going to bring all the other beer drinkers as well because everybody's excited yeah. about it. But I but I think. There's some. There's a huge opportunity there to tap into a market that has not been marketed to at all. Absolutely. So, kind of exciting for those guys. Well, and I think when I think of craft beer, when I think of my friends who are really, really into it, that huge passion. It is always a quest to like find the next new thing. Like, where's that next taste? Where's that new twist right. on it coming from? So I could see that. Yeah, just exciting a lot of people and opening, maybe even opening people's eyes uh, to what it can yeah, be. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not unlike you, you being a musician. You know, you and I can do the same song. It's going to be different. And that's the way I can go to five different breweries and they're doing the same style. 
they're always going to have a different take on them. So, you know, that's the beauty of, of, you know, creativity, you know, it's, you know, we, you and I can work on the same project and it's going to come out different just because we're different, you know, different beings, if you will. Absolutely. You know, what's been cool for me getting, I, over the last, you know, two years uh, when my band was, was kind of done, I, w- I found myself playing a lot of breweries, a lot of wineries, and there's been some places. Uh, in fact, there's a place called Casey Wine Co. I don't know if you're familiar with it down yeah. south. Uh, so it's out in the middle of nowhere, Overland Park. And um, I don't think of it as a very diverse area or very diverse place. But every time I go there, I've been just struck by the diversity that I see. Um, men, women, black, white, Hispanic, like and especially in wine, in the wine world, I when I first started playing wineries, it, it pretty much skewed to all like 30-year-old white women is all it was. Yeah. And now yeah. I'm seeing it just completely change and in unlikely places. And so that, for me, every time I come back from there, I'm like, oh, this really gives me hope about culture in general and where it's shifting, despite right. all, I mean, there's been a lot of, I mean, this last you know, several years, so much uh, controversy, so much debate, but it does give me hope about where things are going uh, in that world. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and you talk about the creativity piece uh, with it. So the art form of, of craft beer, like you're, you're sitting alongside your friends in the group. Um, what is it that draws you to the art form of it and the, the notes and the taste and, and all these things that wrap up the craft beer community. I think I'm just a, a creative person anyway. I mean, everything I've done professionally has been on the creative side. And, you know, I think I just see really, it's really, it's the people, you know, it's the people and, you know, their interpretation or what their dreams are as far as, you know, like I said, I've probably got five or six guys who've opened breweries in the last three years. And you go to every brewery and each one, it's a different animal. You know, it's, you know, it's their, their vision. The beers are different. The venue's different. The vibe is different. It's just, hmm. you know, it's when you see creativity you, and, and you understand it, you can appreciate it. Um, again, I brewed a few beers. Do I want to open a brewery? Hell no. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it did to your those friends guys. tell you did your friends say no no don't open a brewery was it that or no <laughs> no, no no i just i just watched you knew <laughs> yeah, yeah when I, that, so, that was the same story when i watched some of my friends i'm like whoo that's a lot of work i'm doing a lot of other yeah. things i but but i love yeah. that you're doing it so <laughs> but as, as, as far as beer goes it's you know it's everybody has a different take on it i mean mm-hmm. yeah you, all the breweries are doing some of this the same quote unquote style, but everybody's take is different. And that's what I, what I love about it. And of course, you know, you know, I work at a couple of breweries as well. So, you know, just the people, that's why, that's why I think the diversity piece is, is something that needs to happen because the beer community is very welcoming, Mm. you know, despite some of the things that they've had happen over the last couple of years with some dumbasses at some breweries, 99% of the people, at, at, at these breweries and the patrons and drinkers, they're all cool ass people, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I, I've rarely run into, you know, anybody that's a dick rarely. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. In general, that's, that's, that's nice. Really but then when you're trying to build a community of, of a particular demographic, you're like, yeah, this is good that we didn't run into guys who were just trying to, yeah. 
be dicks, I guess. <laughs> Best you way know, to say. Yeah. Because so, sometimes you know breweries get get uh, confused with being a bar. It's not a bar. It's totally different. Mm-hmm. You know. So you know th- that's kind of a the struggle they have to do. You know, even with with COVID, you know, some of the cities around the country, you know, they put the same rules on breweries as as they did bars. Well, it's not a bar. It's right. it's a totally different it's a totally different animal. Um, some states, I know in in uh, in Maryland. They, they understand that beer, breweries, they're manufacturers. Yeah, they have a tap room or whatever. And so they, you know, they had different rules for them because they're not just a retail establishment. They're, establishment. Cool. they're creating a product. So, right. you know, it, but every state is different. All the rules are different. It's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, Casey Cider Co. Uh, I'm, I'm friends with uh, the owner, Jeff Means, one of the owners, and Trafe Brewer. Yeah, I, I know I, that. Are you familiar with them? Yeah, yeah, they, great dudes. Oh, go ahead. No, I was like they uh, one of the one of the breweries I work at, Windshift. We actually carry one of their ciders. Nice. Yeah, and yeah, that's and they came they so came in and hung out one time. They're they're super cool. Yeah, I love those guys. And but I remember sitting uh, as another local uh, bar. It was called the Colony, and now has shifted. Like they've during COVID, they've had to shift some things. They're still running, but. Uh, we were we were there one night, and he was just lamenting all the red tape that he had to navigate, uh, oh, yeah. just just with the state laws, federal laws, and even down to the labels. You know, and he was, I'm learning oh, yeah. all these things from him. That, wow, you know, and and then there, I know even during COVID, they had issues with like labeling and all all sorts of stuff. It's it's pretty oh, yeah. crazy. It's, uh, I, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> a lot of landmines when you want when you want to make uh, alcoholic beverages. <laughs> Well, when I think about breweries, too, some of the breweries I really love, uh, one that sticks out to me is River Bluff Brewery up in St. Joe. Uh, if you've had a chance to get out there, if you haven't, you definitely got to check it out. I've, 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 ha- I've had their beer. We're actually doing a podcast in person there next month. So I nice. haven't yet to go up with there. Chris. So is it with Chris yep. out there? Awesome. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Great dude. I love what they're doing. And uh, but yeah, there's like a it's different than a bar. So I went to a bar with some family and friends, you know, like a week, week and a half ago. And it's like, all I'm going to do is drink, you know, Vegas bombs all night. And because there's this, there's a different goal. And, uh, (laughs) but then you go to a brewery and it's like, you want to sample everything. You want to, you want to taste these things. You want to share. I'm, I'm sitting here talking to different people at the bar about what they're drinking. And it seems like, like craft breweries cultivate this community that's there. And for you, how has that, I'm I'm trying to form the question like out loud <laughs> in a way, but I guess what does that community mean to you, as you obviously have dedicated so much of your life to this community? You know, I I think it's just it's just one of those things that, you know, in life a lot of times, things, situations aren't harmonious. You know, and it's you know it's kind of the you know it's kind of the inception of you know, uh, people going to bars and things like that, or taverns back in the day, it was a getaway, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, 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 I mean, that's why I work at, you know, three different breweries because it's totally different from my day job, right? It's, it's not like work. It's always communal. It's, it's always, uh, each day is different. It's, there's just some, you know, it's, it's hard to quantify, you know, it's, it's one of those things it's, it's like asking me what's my favorite beer. <laughs> you know, it's like when people like, ask who what's your favorite song to a musician. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That could, be, that could be a hard, hard question. 
so I, th- I think for me, it's just, it's kind of a, an extension of my personality where I'm, mm. I'm a people person. I'm a social person. Um, I love to interact with people. And I think the fact that there's beer involved just makes it even better. Cause I do that anyway. <laughs> you know? You're like, I'm combining two great things together. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, you know, and, and it's, you know, I, I go around the country to different breweries, different festivals, and it's, it's, it's generally all love. It really is. It's, uh, we went to, uh, there's a festival. It's really the, it was billed, uh, as the first, uh, black beer festival. It, it really highlighted a lot of black brewers around the country, even though it wasn't all black festival. There was right. the most black people at a festival for sure. Um, and my co-host on, on the podcast, Nick, you know, who's white, um, was first of all shocked when we went up, went to Pittsburgh and people knew who he was. And then you're like, you you're know, famous, dude. You are famous. <laughs> <laughs> and then he was like, this is the first beer festival I've ever been to where I'm the minority. Huh. I'm like, that's good. It just shows you there are people of color and women and LBGTQ who drink beer. Their narrative is that we, that the, is that we don't. You know, that's why it's never been marketed to. Uh, I've got some. Uh, uh, some some friends of mine they just uh, did this doc they're, they're on the documentary circuit right now mm-hmm. um their document uh, doc what do you call it Do- their movie called it a movie because i couldn't get the word out it's called um one pint at a time okay and it follows it follows five uh people of color trying to open a brewery wow and yeah and you know like the the narrative that the, all those brewers said was the only beer that was marketed to black people and Latino people was like Schlitz and, you know, Miller High Life, you know, none of the good <laughs> shit, right? Right. And, and nobody has decided to, it's, it's changing now to, you know, to, to, to go some of these uh, liquor stores that only have those things and put some of these other things in there so people know what the hell's going on. So it's a really cool documentary to see, uh, you know, these people's struggles. And then, you know, while they're filming this documentary, just, just throw in the fact just that COVID happened. Right. right. <laughs> so you got, so you got a couple of breweries trying to open during COVID and interesting fact, you know, talking to people around the country where breweries have closed in Kansas city, we had no breweries closed. We had like five open. Well, that's like, uh, is it Paul? Is it Paul at lost evenings? Is that his name? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right up there. Yeah, I was talking yeah. to him and he's like, yep. We opened May 2022 mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, damn, well done. Yeah. He's like, it was all in motion. So we figured move forward. And Thank to you. me, that's inspiring. Like, yeah, it's like, I'm not going to quit. I'm actually going to go in there and start slugging it out and figure out how to make it happen. Well, yeah. The nice thing is <laughs> I think, I think COVID made people drink more. <laughs> that is true. I, my, yeah, so. my drinking consumption did go quite high during a, a large season of, of COVID. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I never keep beer because I work at breweries and I had a lot of beer for some strange reason. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you know, and hearing that story and it's Nick is your, he's your podcast. Uh, is a co-host? Mm-hmm. Is that what, uh, title yeah, we'll there? call him that. We like to call him the, the, the other guy. The other guy. So when the other guy describes being in this environment, right, uh, where he is the white dude amongst a a large group of black people. And 
to me, I think anyone who can put themselves in a situation where they're the other, they're, right. they're the minority, especially when you're used to walking in some kind of, you know, like me, I'm Hispanic, but I look like, you know, a white dude. And so I can navigate through the world without people like separating me in, in ways. Um, and people, and I know a lot of people live like that, but I think it, there's such a powerful thing when you can put yourself in a place where you become the minority. And I think it'll, it, it opens people's eyes more and more. And I'm, yeah. I'm curious down the road, maybe I'll have to get Nick on there. I'd love to hear his perspective and what he learned. That's a buddy of mine. He was actually, uh, he's like a church planner and, uh, he was launching a church down in the inner city and he's this white dude grew up in the suburbs and he found himself at a volleyball game, uh, in, in, in the local high school and everyone was black. He's the only white dude there. And he went to another guy on our staff who was black and told him, he's like, dude, it was so strange for me. Like he, you know, he's like, right. I've never been in a situation like that. And that's, uh, my other buddy, his name's Daryl. And he said, he's like, now you get a little taste of what life is like for someone like me, like right. almost all the time. And it's like, that blew me away to hear that story. And I think such a powerful thing to offer people. Yeah. I kind of had the benefit of growing up. I grew up in England. Right. So I, 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 yeah. So I lived London, in England. London, correct. Yep. So I lived in okay. England until I was 12. And so, you know, we, I lived where I lived in London was all black. Before mm. we came to the States, we lived in a town called Ipswich, which was all white. Hmm. But it was never a thing. It wasn't a thing until I came to the States. Interesting. It really wasn't. And so, it wasn't a thing as far as racism or even feeling yeah, separate just, or other Just feeling that. separate. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It wasn't until I came to the States that, that I saw that. But the benefit for me now is I can be in either space and don't have a problem. Because right. one of the conversations we have, uh, uh, we've had on the podcast, you know, to your point, um, somebody black goes into an all white tap room. They might, they might be like, fuck that. I can't, I can't hang. Right. <laughs> You're like, I'm out. Or vice versa or vice versa. Right. Right. Where, you know, I have, a, I've had the benefit of growing up, you know, in all sorts of different situations where I don't have that issue, but I get it to somebody else's mind. So, right. you know, going back to Vine Street Brewing being the first black brewery, that's going to entice some people to come because it's going to be a black brewery and black people are going are, are to come and support it because it's black folks. Right. But right. it's also going to, it's going to expose those people to craft beer and then they're going to realize, oh, this is not the only brewery in Kansas City. <laughs> They'll you know? catch the bug as well, and then they start yeah. rotating around. Because yeah. everybody knows of Boulevard, but nobody knows about Amamator or Windshift or Grains and Taps and some of these other ones that are around town. Again, you don't know what you don't know until I tell you. And so, so that's my goal is to, you know. And one of the things I do, if, if I'm working at one of the breweries I work at and I see somebody of color or Hispanic or or a woman or LBGDQ or whatever, I'm going to show them some love and let them know, Hey, this is a welcome, welcoming space. You know, I'm going to give right. you some beer karma as we like to call it. Um, I'm going to make like sure they have it. a like good time, <laughs> you know, because I want them to be like, Oh, that was cool. I'm going to come back. I had a guy on Sunday night and he remembered me. I met him at another brewery and told him, I do, I'm like, dude, I work at diametric. Come see me. He came and saw me. Nice. And he was like, dude, thanks for hooking me up. I appreciate this, that, and the other, and the other. So you have to make people feel, you know, I mean, these, these are my rules in life. Mm -hmm. Rule number one, don't die. 
That's Easy. a good rule. I like that one. <laughs> rule number two is, is finite. Any rules after that, you can pick yourself. Rule number two, don't be a dick. <laughs> you know, that covers a multitude of sins. Right. Just don't be a dick. <laughs> we have this, we have this, we have some, we have this shirt that says beer karma and it says it's real. And it says, please follow rule number two. Changing the world to yes. beer karma. I love that. Yes. I, I want to get know, a beer yeah. karma shirt. I need to go. Where, where's that at? What brewery? Uh, uh, at Winshift in Blue okay. Springs. Gotcha. Yeah, that's the only place you can get it. I, I think we're going to put it in that store at some point. But, you know, it's just one of those things that, as I tell the story, uh, we were doing a podcast at BKS for, uh, over in Brookside. And they did this, there was this whole last year, uh, uh, this brewery out of San Antonio did this beer called Black is Beautiful. And his goal was to raise money to donate to a social justice organization in San Antonio. So that was Marcus's goal. That's his name is Marcus uh, 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 Baskerville. Well, one of his mentors was like, well, you can make it bigger than that. And so he thought, well, if I can get 10 or 15 breweries to do it, that would be awesome. So he put it out on the interwebs and gave the recipe and said, you can do what you want with the recipe. I just want you to donate proceeds to a social justice organization in, in your neighborhood. And he sent all the breweries the labels. Uh, at this point, it's been done in all 50 states, 22 countries, 2,000 breweries did that beer. Wow. <laughs> so that's one of those, one of those weird times. What other industry can, would everybody do the same thing for the same cause? Not very many. Yeah. You know, so I had a point to that story. I'm not sure where I was going with it, but. Well, I mean, whatever that point was, I think it, <laughs> the story drives home just the power of community though, and the power of yeah. one voice. And even as I'm observing you, you know, this is an audio podcast, but we're doing this through Zoom so I can see your face talking about this. It's right. Like, it's like if you can have that one voice, uh, and even, it sounds like you are operating as that voice, that catalyst uh, for change, and then how it can inspire other people. I mean, I think that whatever the original point was, that's a, a powerful thing to see in that story. Yeah. So, and, and, and to this day, it's still, uh, oh, we were talking about beer karma. <laughs> Got it. That's right. Beer so, karma. There you go. <laughs> oh, I, so BKS did a Black is Beautiful and... You know, BKS is one of the hottest breweries in Kansas City. And I didn't get the beer. And I was telling them the story. I'm like, I, I was telling them the beer karma story. And I said, I didn't get that beer because it was sold out. But I said, the next time I went to work at Windshift, um, somebody had dropped off the beer and nobody knew who it was. They just said, this is for Nigel. <laughs> that's I'm awesome. like, that's beer, that's beer karma. So, you know, <laughs> it's, 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 it's cyclical. It's like the universe, man. It's like <laughs> rule I number two, don't idea. be a dick. <laughs> changing the world through beer karma uh if my yes. podcast had titles that's what i would do <laughs> there, there you go there you go <laughs> maybe this one will just have to finally have a title uh for it typically it's just the name uh and, gotcha. and what you do but i yeah i love that so you grew up in london uh find yeah. your way here in the states uh how did you end up in kansas city uh that's a, a funny story too so when I was in college, I ran track in college uh, in Oklahoma, and the, the NAI Indoor Nationals meet was the Municipal Auditorium downtown Kansas City. 
So we started coming here for nationals every year. Hmm. And I had a couple of classmates who are from Kansas City. And I would come up in the summers and hang out. And I just dug it. You know, it was just one of those, it was different than Oklahoma City. So I'd come up and I was, once I got, got into TV, I was like, I want to work in Kansas City. And that, uh, my third market I worked at, fourth market I worked in, I came here the first time in 1992. So, yeah, I just, I just fell in love with Kansas City. That's awesome. And then that yeah. was the other, other part of uh, learning a little bit more about your story of knowing that, one, you do a lot of uh, video production and then have right. worked in TV and, right. uh, and doing, you were a sports anchor as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and that was that in Kansas city or is that several markets throughout the, the, US? Uh, I, I was a, I was a reporter, a news reporter. And my first gig was in San Angelo, Texas market One Ninety Five. <laughs> that I went to Tyler, Texas. I did a little bit of channel four here early, but that was just part-time. Then I went to work at channel five as a news photographer. Okay. Then I went to St. Joe as a sports anchor. Nice. <laughs> yes. How long were you out there in St. Joe doing that? Uh, that was probably two years, late late nineties. Yeah. Right on. Good old St. Joe. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> and then now slowly, uh, slowly working on on changing the world through beer karma uh, and, yeah. and growing that. <laughs> now you have yeah. you seem to exude this this passion uh, for change and wanting to bring about like. I don't know, goodness in the world for a lack of better term. Where does that come from for you? Is that something that was instilled in you uh, when you were younger or is it something that, that, uh, that boiled up for you later in life? Uh, I think maybe I'm just a positive person. You know, I, I think, I think growing up, I was probably, believe it or not, I was shy. <laughs> That's hard to believe. Cause I, I first met you at a brewery <laughs> right? Right. And, and we were just like talking it up right then and there. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah that would be hard to believe. <laughs> you know, I just, you know, I just think, you know, again, rule number two, just don't be a dick. Don't I mean, you know, just everybody I meet, I'm going to show them love. Even if you are a dick, I'm not going to be a dick back. I'm going to try and calm you down. You know, I like to think I'm a peacemaker, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I definitely don't meet any strangers. I mean, I, I, everywhere I go, it's, I got, I have new friends everywhere. You know? so, and it doesn't, it doesn't matter the circumstance. I could be at the grocery store. I could be at a quick trip. You know, if, you know, if you just, if you're just nice, it, it translates. Right. Doesn't matter the, the language. I mean, even the last time I went to London, went by myself, my brother was living there. I was just hanging out hitting breweries, just hanging out. And the amount of people that I just met and I'm still friends with, and you know, it's just, it just is what it is. Uh, I've got a friend of mine. She's like, well, you like the attention. I'm like, I'm not looking for attention. It's just, I'm just doing me. The fact that people right. are, are, are affected or attracted to me. That's not my goal. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just doing me. You know what I'm saying? I was telling somebody earlier today, my, my, uh, swath of friends are 18 to about 77. I have that and all the numbers in between. I have so many different, uh, age, you know, genre of people, if you will, <laughs> it's, you know, <laughs> I, I don't, that. I don't step back and look at it, but when I do, I'm like, well, yeah, I do know people from all walks of life. Right. You know, and I always have. So you're, you're that, uh, just like a pure connector almost is what it sounds like. 
And, I'm not and you know, the I mean, 80 year olds can keep you hip and the 70 year olds can, can bring you wisdom. <laughs> and, uh, and then you can pour that out everywhere you go. <laughs> <laughs> and the people who are, who are my age are like, I don't know how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> They can't keep up. <laughs> no, they, no, they can't. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing I did observe, uh, even that evening, uh, where I was playing, and then I saw you there at the brewery. I think you guys were doing another podcast in the back yeah. of the brewery that evening. Yeah. And it's like your energy and what you're bringing about, where some people maybe, like you said, some people are like, oh, you just want the attention. But what I saw was it, it felt like your energy was able to open up other people and, and bring – bring other people in and even as we you know it comes full circle into this idea of building community b bringing people in uh who are diverse i i feel like maybe in that way you are uniquely gifted uh to to make that happen because of your energy and what that brings and, and, and what it is you know i love i love stories you know that's part of the reason we do our podcast because everybody has a beer story mm -hmm. but they have a personal story too i mean you right. get it i've listened I've listened to what you do. Everybody has a story. Mm -hmm. And so whether it's, whether you do it in, in this format or you meet somebody at, at the bar, when you learn about people, I mean, it's, it's enriching to both people, you know, right. it's a, it's a transfer of, of good vibes, you know, hmm. I mean, to me, I'm only here for a good time. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> you know, nobody, nobody likes drama and, you know, trouble and things like that. Right. Everybody wants to be happy, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to have a good time. So if I can provide that or impart some of that energy that I have to somebody else, um, that's, that's my duty to do it. I don't think I have a choice, to be honest with you. It just happens. <laughs> I don't wake up in the morning and put on this cape, you know, Captain <laughs> Good Vibes. <laughs> good Vibe cape. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Run out. <laughs> Sounds like a great beer name. A good, a good vibe, good vibe cape. Yeah. yeah, I like that. Well, so uh, you know, it's you know, it's just you know, just it's just being who you are, mm -hmm. you know, and you know, and being comfortable in who you are. You know, when I was younger, I wasn't comfortable. Hmm. You know, when I first came to the states, I hated my name hmm. because there were no was, Nigel. Was nobody. it different? Oh, I got you. Yeah, nobody pronounced it. Nigel. Michelle, I'm like, it's got this terrible name. <laughs> but that's but funny now, you say that because I remember uh, when I was in kindergarten, uh, and I don't, I probably didn't say that word right. My wife always makes fun of me because I mess up toddler, kindergarten, ibuprofen. But maybe I said it right now because I keep practicing. <laughs> Anyways, um, I I went to kindergarten and they sat me down. They said uh, they told me and my mom they're like, hey, I think their their kids are going to make fun of him because of his name, Miguel. Uh, so maybe he should consider going by Michael. And I was like, you know, I'm like five. And like, yeah, imagine wow. that happening now. That would never happen now. Well, it might wow. honestly in some places, but, but at the time I'm like, well, shit, I, you know, like as any five-year-old would say, oh shit, I don't want to be made fun of. Uh, and right. I went by Michael and I, and then middle school, I, I started going by Mike. That's what my, my dad is Miguel and they called him Mike and right. probably for the same reason. And finally it's just like high school. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Uh, my name's yeah. Bill, and I'm going to go yeah. by that. So it's interesting to hear someone else have that a similar experience. What was the progression for you uh, in that like acceptance of it and like who you are? <laughs> Probably like you when I got older, but uh, for so I had another name and nobody knows where it came from. Hmm. And my name in junior high and high school 
in college was Oscar. Really? I still have people that call me Oscar. And someone and just made it up and, and said, you're I, Oscar you know, one day? Bro, I don't remember. <laughs> wow. I don't remember. That's the thing. It's, it's, I don't, my mother doesn't remember. But I was known as that until when I got out of college. I was like, now it's Nigel, right? Hmm. But, but again, I have people from high school and college. Yeah, hell, my track coach. Hey, Oscar. <laughs> he still calls me You're that. like, after this point, I, I mean, we're just going to go with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes they'll ask you, well, what should we call you? I'm like, I don't care. Like, if I get, if I get mail from my, co- from my college, it has both names. Hmm. It has <laughs> yeah. literally Oscar on official stuff from college. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, bro. I don't even – I wish I, I wish I had a good story for how it happened, but I don't. <laughs> I, I was just – I just wasn't comfortable with my name, and right. so I chose Oscar. Let's just make it even weirder. Right. But then eventually, like, stepping into – to who you yeah pr- yeah probably your, probably your my, senior, my senior yeah my senior year in college that was kind of the the point i look back when i started becoming comfortable in my own skin mm-hmm. you know because you know i mean you know in high school you know i had glasses and braces you know what i'm saying i was <laughs> you're like glasses braces and my name's oscar like I right, right. Gonna... <laughs> and, and you know i'm six two now i was six two in eighth grade Woo! So, just a ma- and I just to, I came to town with a British accent. Let's just keep it real. <laughs> and that didn't help either. I'm, yeah, I'm sure. No. <laughs> Where now you'd be cool as hell if you came into middle school exactly. with a. That's what's so strange. Which it's cool, but like, yeah, there's certain things where it's like, no, you'd be super cool if if you yeah. had an English accent. Now I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's ridiculous. <laughs> there's a, a former podcast uh, guest is a friend of mine named Nov, and I've known him for probably six years, and I always called him Nav, as N-A-V. And, okay. uh, and then in the interview, he actually corrected me, and he's like, hey, my name's actually Nov. And I'm like, oh, shit, man. I've been calling you the wrong thing. And, but he, was telling, he, went, he realized he was going through that same progression himself, where he lives in uh, New York City, and uh, his family are Sikhs. And it's like there were so many things he felt about him that made him separate from society. He just didn't want to correct people on that. But finally, like, he's like, I'm just going to take hold of who I am. And and he's like, I'm gently correcting people. And he's like, I'm not mad because I did it to myself. But now please call me Nuv. And I was like, oh, I felt horrible. But it was such a great lesson, too, of of taking hold of who you are. Uh, This this idea of peacemaker and uh, your energy of conversations conversations at bars um i think there's a there's a powerful thing of disarming or uncross your arms moments for people at a right. bar uh where i i remember uh coming home talking to my wife and and i i was like so i sat at a bar and i was having a conversation with two friends who were there drinking together one's liberal but he's into guns the other one's conservative but he doesn't like guns <laughs> and then we're all just sitting here having this conversation together uh and then they're there and it, but like everyone's laughing and kind of debating back and forth and so it was like an honest conversation but non-combative and where everyone could dive into to topics of we got on topics of like trans issues we got on topics of of guns like very controversial things but right. in a very loving way where i felt like i learned some interesting things and it seemed like they benefited from the conversation as well um where do you see those kind of conversations popping up a lot um, 
can, can yeah. beer karma solve all of our political problems too? I yeah. guess is a better yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it, it reminds me of a time, and I was actually on, I was actually at the bar, and this guy, obviously conservative, you know, obviously was a little fired up, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, it, it, uh, so my favorite book of all time is The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Okay, um, I'll have to check that out. And, yeah, and one of the things he says uh, in a conversation, for me to be right, I have to make you wrong. Mm. That's real. So That is real. One of my favorite sayings, uh, I'm going to let Miguel be Miguel. Whatever your point of view is, I'm not here to debate you. If that's what you feel, that's what you feel. So I just got to bar it and I might have played a little devil ad, devil's advocate with him just to fuck with him. <laughs> but he was getting heated. And I, I said, I said, and I was like, dude, I get I get where you're coming from. We don't have to agree. I'm not even saying you're wrong. I said, you know what the common denominator is in this in this situation? We can have we can sit down and have a beer and have this conversation. Mm-hmm. That's what it's about. It's not about you being right, me being right, or vice versa. I said, the fact we're having this conversation, I said, yeah, you're, and I pointed out, I'm like, you're getting a little heated. I said, but for no reason, this is not, this is not a, this is not a fight. This is not a, a debate. It's just yeah. us having a conversation and you, you have your opinions. I have my opinions. I've got a very good friend of mine, <laughs> love him to death. We're at, his, we're at his house and sitting by the fire pit. He says, we were having a political conversation. He, and he told me, uh, President Trump did more for black people than President Obama. I'm like, <laughs> I laughed. <laughs> I was like, I said, well, you're a white guy. That's your perspective. That's cool. <laughs> I, I said, I'm not going to. I said, okay, that's what you think. Cool. <laughs> you're like, as a black man, let me tell you. Right, right. right. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I try to let people be uh, uh, who they are. And if, if you have a point of view that, that I don't agree with, I really don't care because my, my job is not to, is not to change your mind. You're a, you're a, as, as I call dudes, you're a grown ass man. You get to, <laughs> you get to have that opinion, you know, <laughs> or if you're a grown ass woman, you know, you can, you know, and after, after reading that book, it's kind of fruitless to, to, because this is the thing. When somebody's passionate like that in in some sort of subject or topic, who knows where that's coming from and what they've been through mm-hmm. and has brought them to that to that point. So rather than me trying to, you know, change their mind, I'm just gonna, hey, just this is an open open floor. Tell me what you got to say. And and it's hard for people to let people be who they are. That's a, everybody wants to influence, you know, I mean, if I've done nothing uh, good with my kids, the one thing I've done is let them be who they are, hmm. you know, and, and yeah. my daughter's 19, you know, sophomore college, got some first world problem issues, you know, <laughs> and, you know, she might call me crying or whatever. You know, and the first thing I'm like, well, let's 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 get past the emotional part of it. I get it. You can only deal with one thing at a time. What's the first thing we can do? 
And then I'll tell her, you don't have to deal with that today. You can wait till tomorrow. Stick your head in the hole, but I'm not going <laughs> to, you know, I'm not going to tell you to do if you're not feeling it. Yeah. You know, this is, this, you get to be you. Mm. So, and I try to apply that to, you know, uh, you know, sometimes I don't, I don't uh, pass the grade, but for the most part, that's my MO yeah. where I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that, uh, like I've got a friend of mine, she fucked around, needed to move, needed to be moved out of her apartment, mm-hmm. freaked out because she didn't have a place. She's freaking out. I'm like, you got four days. I said, if you're going to, if you're going to take that approach of freaking out, you're, that's just wasted energy. I right. said, calm down, get on that task. You know what? The next day she found a place. That's cool. Cause it's all, you know, it's that energy, man. And that's in slowing down. And you know, it's interesting. I've, I'm becoming very passionate about conversations like you're describing, um, like sitting down with folks that I, I even just strongly disagree with and, in having those conversations because I found myself becoming very heated in a lot of conversations myself. And, uh, and to the point where there was one night, I think it all culminated to a longtime friend, uh, where we, you know, he was just asking certain questions and, and it, it touched on the topic of racism and, and racism has directly impacted, uh, some people who are very close to me. And especially when you think about systemic racism. And I realized I allowed that emotion to overflow to full anger um, right. shutting in shutting down a conversation that I actually think was productive. Like once, once I sobered up the next morning and thought through <laughs> all my actions. Um, and ever since then, I've, I've been on this journey to, to figure out how do I do that? Even when it is, you know, like someone, you know, someone comes in and, and, and says like, you know, Trump did more for black people than Obama or, you know, something like, yeah. even like people who think, the election was stolen, like, uh, you know, all those kind of things, but like, how can I actually, uh, breathe? And actually it's funny. You said stopping and kind of slowing down a little bit and, and it's meditation has actually become a part of that journey uh, yeah. for myself yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, and I, I sense it, uh, like opening up more and more conversations and understanding where I can learn some things, but I've seen other people, again, the defensiveness, everyone just starts fighting and you grab hold of your idea even more. Right. You know, no matter, yeah, like no, no facts will do at this point. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm like, I'm going to, I've been trying to even read like stuff that's completely on the opposite end of my, my thinking, just because I want right. to understand the processes. Right. And so I love that you have that passion and I love that it's coming out of these communities as well. The craft beer community uh, and bringing in, in diversity as well and exposure. Um, I think that's one thing too, is if you can just expose yourself to different cultures, that's why I yeah. love New York city and my family, half my family. Yeah. 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 Like, I think yeah. everybody should go overseas. <laughs> go yeah, to another overseas country. Or open your yeah. eyes up. Real oh, quick. oh, hell yeah. You, you know, <laughs> if you've never been, I have people who've never been to like California or New York or mm-hmm. much less out of the country. You have to, right. you, we have, we have this view of the United States that it's this, you know, multicultural, like New York city's great. Go to fucking London. London will blow your mind. Yeah. I've never it, been because there it's, yet. So it's, it's, it's like New York city on like international steroids. Hmm. So, you know, New York city has a lot of different cultures. Well, England and London has every culture, hmm. every, every culture is represented there. Every one of them. It's, it's, 
it's one of those cities that I'm like, yeah, this is, it's, it has a different vibe um, than, than any city I've, I've been to. And I've been around a lot of places. It's just, you know, you can't help, but if you like that kind of vibe, some people might be too busy for, you right. know, but it's, it's just, if you want to see culture, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's all there. Hell, it might be all on one damn street. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> amazing. Well, I, I, I think, I, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say, going back to what we were talking about, you know, that pause when mm-hmm. we know what, you know, that's, that's not natural for, for us. It's not, that's a it, learned, it's not for that's me. It's a learned, it's a learned behavior. And after I read that power of now, it's, it's, a, it's a muscle that you have to practice it mm-hmm. because just when you think you've got it mastered, boom. You know, fucked it up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm definitely going to check that out. There's a, a book I just finished called Peak Mind. Uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, it's a it's a neuroscience. It's like it's a neuro a neuroscientist uh, like years of research on meditation. What in she kind of like started as a skeptic. Sorry, that was my book opening up. Her name's Amisha <laughs> Ja uh, J H A Amisha P Ja. Uh, but peak mind and it comes okay. from that uh, a perspective of yeah a lot of it is just training your mind of what you're talking about and yeah those concepts i do feel are are helping me a ton in how i relate to myself and how i relate to others and helping me just let go of the need like i'm an aggressive person and i don't think that's <laughs> bad i think it it in context it can be very useful <laughs> right but right. in building relationships in in changing thoughts and ideas in, in connecting with people, it's not always the best tool. And so it's like using the aggressiveness. This is a tool for one thing, but yeah. How, yeah. how do I stay in control? And yeah, it's so, all yeah. about knowing you It's about knowing you. Exactly. You, 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 you learn over time what things set you off. Right. <laughs> but, and that's, but, but, but once you know that, and cause it always starts with that feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it always is always a like anger, for instance, there's it's a physical. So you can I can you know see it as a coming. meter now slowly growing. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and you live in the video and audio world, you know, you're watching those meters and yeah, when yeah, it yeah. gets to yellow. Yeah. Hey, and you don't let it get yeah. to red. It's bad for everybody. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's a it's a skill that, you know, and I, you know, a, a good example is my, my daughter dealing with her mom. I'm like your mom is a fully grown human. Hmm. Whatever she says, just take it with a grain of salt. That you don't have to react to it. You don't have to agree with it. Because half the time she'll call me and so mom said this. I'm like, well, hold on. First of all, it's your mother. <laughs> Second of all, just let her, let her be her. Let her be her. Hmm. You don't have to agree. You know? But she, you know, when you're 19, it's emotional. Oh, yeah. I get it. But I still, oh, and you I'm know, 40, to, I'm, I'm emotional about shit. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you got, sometimes you got to be talked off the ledge, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. but you know, for, for that age, cause my kids are 30, 29, 19. Okay. I want them to miss some of the things Absolutely. that I did. Right. You know, I didn't discover that book until I was probably in my, you know, probably my late thirties and I needed it 20 years before. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, but, I'm excited to check that out. I'm, I'll finish up. Uh, I, I, when I said reading different things on different spectrums, I, 
uh, I read a book called San Francisco. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that. Uh, and it talks about if the, the byline and I see myself as a progressive, uh, but the, the byline says when progressive policies destroy cities. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to read this. I want to understand right. what's happening here. Right. And then on the flip side, I'm, I'm currently reading the communist manifesto because I'm, I'm talking to someone who's a communist and we're, we're debate. I, I see myself more as capitalistic in mindset. Um, and, but I was like, you know what, I've never read it. So let me understand it. Right. So once right. I wrap that up, uh, I want to check out the power of now. Uh, yeah, that yep. sounds really cool, man. So the last two questions, because uh, unfortunately I got to land the plane here. Uh, this has been a gotcha. great conversation. Uh, but last two questions centered around this idea of live and create. Uh, how would you define right now living a great life for yourself? That's an easy question. Just doing what you want to do. Um, I tell people all the time, everything I thought I wanted to do, I went out and done it. I thought I, I wanted to be a sports anchor. I did it. I wanted to be a voiceover artist. I've done it. I want to be a radio DJ. I want to be a reporter. You know, I wanted to work in TV news. I wanted to go to LA and work in, in reality television. You know, it's, it's about having no regrets and saying, okay, you know what? Even if you do it and it doesn't work out the way you thought it was going to work out, hell, you still did it. You know, I mean, it's, it's about, Jumping in the pool, <laughs> half the time you jump in the pool, you think it's 12 foot, it's three foot. <laughs> You're like, oh, shit, I can stand up. Right. <laughs> so, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's whatever, whatever you're passionate about. You know, I, I, I love to talk to high school kids. I do that a lot. And I tell them, just dabble. You know, especially now in this world, if you want if you can pretty much learn anything on the internet, right? Mm -hmm. You can just go, you know, back oh, in my yeah. day, you had to go get, you, you couldn't do that. So, right. yeah, I mean, that, that, that would be the answer to, to your question. Just, you know, if, if there's something you want to do, just do it. Right. I, I love that because uh, my band, they have, we have a song coming out in the summer and it's called At Least You Tried. And it, it actually stems from a conversation that after, after I had ended the band a few years back, I was just in a really dark place. I'm working on my van and it's all broken. I'm pissed off and I'm a terrible mechanic. Anyway, some other guy comes to help me, <laughs> a, a friend of mine. And uh, he's basically, he could tell I'm pissed off. He's like, what's wrong? And I tell him, uh, you know, I'm lamenting, you know, feeling like my music career is over, blah, 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 melodramatic artists, artist stuff. And, uh, and he just looks at me and he's like, you know what? At least you tried it. He's like, you know how many people yeah. out there wish they would have done some of the things you accomplished? You know how many people yeah. wish they would have, like, pursued that thing that was in front of them? He's like, maybe you should start celebrating at least you went out there to do it. And right. honestly, right. That, it was that conversation that started the healing to find the strength to actually get back in the game and, and right. now back in the game. And, and that, yeah, just think about that. Like, even if, like, go for what you want to do, but even if it doesn't work out, at least you stepped out there, but who knows, maybe it will. And, maybe we start thinking and, about and, that. <laughs> what if it does? <laughs> and as a musician, you've learned that. That's never, that never goes away. I ran into a lady at a brewery in Oklahoma city and she was talking about how she used to play the violin mm -hmm. and she hadn't played in 20 years. Hmm. I was like, you have that skill, pick got... it back up. Yeah. I went back to that brewery six months later, she was there. And I saw it. She's like, you know what I did? I started playing violin again. I'm like, fuck yes. Dude. 
So you're a cat. You are you are like a catalyst, man. Your energy, um, it's cool. I'm I'm one. I'm excited for this conversation, but I'm excited to continue to follow what you're doing because I think uh, these goals you have, it's gonna be see, it's gonna be cool to see how it all comes together. Uh, last question: How would okay. you define creating great things right now? That's a good question. How would I define creating great things? I think, I think creativity is whatever it means to you. So if I decide I want to do this thing or try that thing, you know, that's my creativity coming out because it's, you know, creativity is very personal, right? Uh, I think it's one of those things that you have to embrace it because sometimes people think, Oh, that's crazy, but that's just you being creative. When you come up with an idea, you know, it's, almost you know connect to the last question you know just go do it if, if it's something that that you just popped in your head or it's in your heart why why not try at least you tried right yeah so <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome man i love it um well and we didn't even like that's i felt like there's so many things we could talk to uh talk about we didn't talk a ton about the podcast specifically um obviously we talked about the beer community and everything but let yeah. everyone know how they can connect with you and uh, listen to your podcast and stay following to see how the world gets changed through beer karma. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Beerswithnigel.com is the website. Uh, it's on Facebook. It's on Twitter. It's on Instagram. Uh, any place you can listen to a podcast, it's out there. Um, it's a shit show, but it's fun. <laughs> it is it is by no means a serious beer podcast at all <laughs> <laughs> but i think that's what makes it fun uh that are you know gary vanderchuk is uh gary yeah. v uh yeah. where with the wine where he like kind yeah. of dismantled the the snobbery around wine right so, and i think some people feel that way about craft beer so i think that's cool i, I like that yeah approach. there's no there's no snobbery involved with a lot, lot of burping <laughs> I remember hearing that actually where you encourage people to burp. Yes. <laughs> on mic. So that's awesome. Well, thank you for making the time. No, absolutely, man. Thank you for listening to the Live and Create podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe and leave a comment or a review. The Live and Create podcast.